Alright, well hello everybody and welcome to episode 13 of Talking Points with KPI. So we're going to get right into it. Today is the hitting episode. We have our hitting director Chase in the building today. He's very thankful for him to come out, but we're going to start with a group question. So where did the hitting program come from and what perspective uh, have each of you brought to that hitting program? Eric, I guess you can start with that. Uh, it's been an evolving, I guess entity uh, and it still is and that's kind of the point um, but you know we, we've had quite a few hitting guys through the years you know before KPI come through with all their own different philosophies and, and when Dan and I started to get integrated and do things together uh, both of us decided that the hitting coaching sucks um, and, and we don't like the way it was taught and that, that traditional model of teaching hitting uh, and dances all the time is, is a failure uh, so we wanted to try to create a system and, and I know we'll We'll chat about the specifics of that coming up, but that was objective and held people accountable. And so we literally started with, I remember I made the chart and it was like, hit, we have one radar. Hey, this guy hit into there 15 times and we just wrote down the exit velocities. Yeah. And then we tried to get in a few weeks and then we did training and like we tracked it after summer. Like that, that's literally where we were. We had yeah. no hit tracks, there was no wraps, so there was no blast. Yeah. So that was the origin of us just trying to create this hitting program. So I'm going to go to you, Chase. So you came in late to that process. So when you're coming into that process, seeing how simple that is, um, talk about your journey and your background a little bit so you can give some context to what you were given. Yeah, so I started off... I think the context starts with me working up at an SC facility because it's like we were objectively held accountable yeah. by force plates, right? And like I always loved that, but that was on the skill side of that. That was never, never the case. And so when I came in here, we had an objective system, and I told Eric, like, I think day one of us starting was like, hey, let's play this out. Like, let's coach, let's get good coaching in there. Let's use like the CLA, what I'm sure we'll talk about, and let's see how this plays plays out because hitting coaches need to be held accountable. Absolutely. Um, just like SNC coaches, just like pitching coaches, just like all that stuff. And I think that I saw that um, in pro ball in the few years I was with the Cubs, right? I mean, we we had a lot of metrics that we were getting, but we weren't using. And this was kind of the merger of the worlds where it's like, we're, guys are getting held accountable, like all hitting coaches are getting held accountable. And we're using metrics that we know matter and we can tie to everything. Mm -hmm. Now we can kind of see progress now I can know if a drill works instead yeah. of just saying this is what I think right it takes opinions out of that and it makes it a lot nicer yeah yeah absolutely so let's get into a little bit of what your journey led you here to KPI so why in a simple sense why KPI well I think it's it's there's a few things I mean the hitting coach side of things is very pride oriented right and I mean, you deal with that in every industry, but from the, from the S&C, for me coaching at junior colleges to then, uh, you know, me going to the Cubs and doing that, like, it was all very pride-oriented. I'm either right or I'm wrong, and this was a place that was different. It was, you can, it's not about being right or wrong, it's what's best for the athlete, which is like our mantra, right? And so we can use all these metrics to be able to determine that and be able to see, and, and this is a place that... I mean, I've been thinking about something like this for a long time, a place that we can tie S&C into hitting and then be able to hold everybody accountable to actually show the players their progress. Yeah. And so it's easy. I mean, it's amazing that you were able to come in with your background and do that. So for you two, especially you, Eric, you're a pitching guy. 
strength guy. You, I mean, granted, you don't know about hitting, but you know a little bit enough to get yourself started. So, how did that help frame the? How did obviously Chase help frame that KPI hitting program? And how unique is the setup of the hitting program? Uh, became. Uh, you know, Chase has done a great job with it, and, and you know, as we kind of got into blast a few years ago, and, and like I said, just kind of doing this trial and error, trial and error, we got to the point to where we thought we had a pretty good system. We had we had an objective based system that checked itself. So like we had, hey, we think these things are important in your swing. And blast measures it, and we're going to validate it with these numbers. And so Chase saw it, and he said, I remember, I still remember, and I quote him. He said, Eric you have a badass hitting system. It's just not being executed properly. Um, and um, and I think, you know, he's kind of ran with it and made it better and we've tweaked it and we're going to continue to tweak it. Yeah. Um, and, and we're doing that, you know, every time, every time we, we evaluate and we do our reviews after each, after each season. So um, it, it, it really is the, I guess the execution of the vision that's taking place right now. I think you, if you look at other industries, if you look at people who, change the way something is being done, they're typically outsiders. Yeah. They're typically somebody who doesn't, isn't perceived as an expertise, but they know in one area or uh, another facet or industry or whatever it may be, this process has success, so how can I apply that to my current setting? So you could say, oh, he's pitching strength, and I'm also even more biased towards the pitching side, mm -hmm. why are these guys designing a hitting program? It's like, well, we could view that as, hey, we are completely unbiased. Yeah. All we care about is, okay, production. and um, boiling that down and removing our own personal bias from that, uh, I think is a, is a huge advantage. With the the SNC component being at the center, which then leads to why he is such a good fit. His expertise started with SNC. He then started applying that to hitting. So we all have the strength and conditioning background of understanding how the human body is built, understanding how the human body moves, and then we're applying it to the skill of of hitting. And I think that because we have the same core principle at the center of it, then we're able to truly have conversations about what is happening, and then you add the tech to it to evaluate, okay, <laughs> is this thing actually working? It's not our opinion on, is somebody swinging any better? It's like, okay, boom, we're, we're seeing um, increased chances of success on the field. Yeah, so you mentioned all that, and you, you guys do a great job of combining all of your certain aspects of KPI together. So talk about the hitting program and how you guys have integrated the physical assessment um, as well as the technology and force plates in, into that program. How has that helped you guys? I think the physical assessment... It's because of like my personal expertise, it's been backwards. Okay, I can assess the hips, ankles, the knees, the spine, the shoulders, but I don't necessarily know the swing. So then I can, if I can get more of this foundational information, and then I can have a conversation with him, okay, what are you seeing on the field? Because he, he can evaluate a swing and know if it's gonna play or not. And then he has even more expertise to that. So I can have a conversation with him, hey, they're doing this with their swing incorrectly, or they're, they're, this metric on blast is poor, then I just work backwards and connect the dots. Okay, okay, why could that potentially happen? Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, I think understanding the physical side of things is, is huge and you're seeing it. I mean, we see it with OnBase U, we see it with um, TPI in the golf world. It's, it's being done in other industries. Uh, and I think in the baseball side, the reason it doesn't happen as much is because majority of coaches on the hitting have the either playing experience or the hitting experience, but they're, they're, they're baseball coaches. They're not strength and conditioning coaches. They don't have the, the background on the anatomy and the, the physiology. Yeah, so. I think the hit on that too, it's like I always stick to this. So you can't get the human body to do something better without understanding how the human body works. Yeah. I think that like that's where the force plates and especially the dance physical assessment comes into play. I can't get a guy to do something if he doesn't physically have the capability to do it. 
Mm -hmm. We can hit that from a different way, but then we can communicate with SNC and be able to see, okay, here are the drills that we're going to do to be able to help that aspect. The data essentially makes your coaching easier because you're able to see all the flaws that they do have. And we're able to, now we've gotten to the point where we're able to almost like cross over to the assessment, to the hitting based on the tech. Yeah. You know, so like, it, we, you know, before before Chase got really up and running, I was doing all our hitting assessments, and Dan and I got to the point to where I would look at a KBS reading, and I would be telling Dan he's probably got he's probably got a IR issue on his left yeah. hip or his T spine's immobile, or vice versa. Dan would say, "Hey, I think this is going to pop up on the Blashley KBS." So it truly kind of nods to the value of a of a one hundred percent integrated approach. There's no there's no walls, there's no silos here. It's like it's all one entity. Like because if if we have a kid that rotates a ton of his swing. We, we might not be able to coach it out of him if he has poor T-spine mobility. Yeah. Like, like, we can sit there for a million swings and tell him not to pull off, but if he doesn't have the mobility or the strength to do it, nothing, which will, pop up, nothing will happen. Yeah. So when everyone sits in the same office and works together on these kind of things, we're able to kind of attack issues in a different it, way. It'll nod to one, and we'll hit on the CLA component. It nods to probably the most common uh, frustration every hitter will have, uh, especially at the youth levels. Oh, when you go back to games, you fall back to your old habits. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, you fall back to your old habits because we're not affecting the way you're built. Yeah. We don't usually change it, but we're not affecting your engine, your, your strength. We're not affecting your your, uh, you know, your movement capacity. We're not affecting some of the things that we know influence how you move and how you swing. Um, and so every hitter, you could go pay for hundreds of dollars of lessons. And if you keep getting the same flaw on the field yeah. and you keep being told, oh, you're just going, you're going back to your old, your old habits, it's like, Okay, then I'm wasting my time, I'm wasting yeah, my money, I'm wasting my energy. Creating habits at work. Absolutely. And it sure. just, it, it, you're able to build those good habits within your assessment, within your hitting program, within your weights and all the stuff that you're able to do at KPI. So, Eric, you kind of touched on it a little bit um, with results-wise, but how have the results been in the hitting program looking all the way back to last winter and even this past summer? So kind of touch on that a little bit. You know, they've been really incredible. You know, Chase came on last fall. Uh, came in like mid-fall, mm-hmm. so it was like a transition time. We were moving into this place, so it was a little scattered, and he really kind of took the reins in the winter. We had the extended winter because of COVID, and mm-hmm. high baseball not started until mid-March. So we're able to really implement a system and, and execute it for a lot longer than normal. And so I know our our average exit velocities are like through the roof, like yeah. crazy stuff. And, and you know something different that we do here, and it kind of freaks out new coaches, if I'm being honest, is like at the end of every – season so winter the fall spring summer you know the whole thing we sit down and we look at the numbers and, and there's some accountability there yep. you know like hey like this why is this happening like why haven't the guys gotten better we value these things and they're not getting better why yeah and so um you know we've definitely done a really good job of putting the numbers out there studying them and then making them better like we added a new qualifying metric lph line drive plus hard hit average because mm-hmm. we thought that that was more valuable than something else we were using to to evaluate so yeah and you and you talk about the pride component earlier as a hitting coach and just as a coach in general i mean you coach and you want to be prideful in what you're doing those numbers give you that they yeah. they give you if you aren't getting the numbers they give you that slice of humble pie you need yeah. and you're able to move on from that and it's very clear there's no gray area within that yeah so um I want to kind of go into the environment that has been created using the hitting program um, and coaching with constraints like a lead approach. Um, what kind of science is behind that? A lot. So, I mean, I don't know who wants to tackle this, but Dan's our CLA expert. I would <laughs> consider myself an expert. That's what I, I, I basically each, each year I set a goal for myself to learn 
another area that's outside of my expertise. Yeah. So I'd say 2019 was hitting. I need to get up to speed on blasts and hit tracks and understand all the metrics and all the numbers. Not necessarily the art side, but more the science side of it. Just the data side. Right. So I also can speak to it. If I have mm -hmm. somebody who's on the pitching side and they come in for an assessment, I can speak to that. I was a pitcher. But on the hitting side, I, I haven't swung a bat since my sophomore year of high school. So... Um, you know, got myself up to speed on that and then it led me then into the constraints of the approach and understanding the science behind skill acquisition where uh, it's really simply put, I think you have, when you're trying to teach somebody a new skill, we need a couple things to make it happen. And the constraints of the approach is made up of the first and foremost, the organism, the athlete himself. Mm -hmm. And that's why we hammer it so heavily. Okay, my strength, my mobility, my flexibility, my body control, my movement, all of that. Then we also need to take into account the task. We try and make the task as game-like as possible. So like T-work, it's great, it can be useful, but it's not a very, it's pretty far off from game-like. So we reduce the amount of time we spend on the T. Mm -hmm. uh, flips, underhand flips, not game-like. It, it's still a ball moving, so a little better than hitting off the T, but it's not as game-like as possible. Where, you know, having, the ideal would be having guys off the mound going live, but we can't do that because we have to protect kids' arms too. So mm -hmm. machine is about as close as we can get other than making our coaches throw, which mm -hmm. is going to be happening here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we want to make sure the task is appropriate and as game-like as possible, but then also the task, the athlete is aware of what they're trying to work on. So example, from a blast standpoint, you have an athlete, majority of athletes struggle with attack angle. They swing down. Uh, and so we're, hey, that's part of the task is we want to make sure your attack angle's in this ideal range. We want to hit line drives hard and up the middle and, and all over the field. So uh, we're going to pick, pick that as part of your task. Um, the last is the environment. So uh, again, we just already hammered on this, as game-like as possible. So mm -hmm. we don't want the, I think they said like 40-40-40, like free and easy BP, feel good, yeah. you're going to hit dingers the whole. It's like, okay, that can be good every once in a while. There's times sure, that that'll happen in the cage. But for the most part, we, we want to have this ebb and flow of challenge and intensity and um, make sure that the environment can get as close as possible. What a reason that this the new building is so valuable to us is we have a full size cage to do live abs once the pitchers are ready to do that in in the fall. Or I'm sorry, in the winter. So uh, the constraints of the approach, I think that that kind of sums up that, and at least how we implement it. Uh, and then I think the other is the idea of help and hinder. Mm -hmm. So uh, when uh, say you see a swing deficiency for an athlete, you can either create a task or create an environment that's going to help them do it the right way or you can create an environment that uh, hinders their ability to then do that. Um, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I was talking to this point with Chase a little while back, and you guys, I mentioned to him that you guys do a great job with that in coaching-wise, and you're never hindering to anybody. You're always, even different athletes, so different kids listen to different words, and they have different cues that help different people. Everybody's different. But you guys always find those words. You guys are always able, as coaches to get the kid to understand the knowledge, even if you're not using the same language five seconds ago, but it's the same thing. And I think that's very commemorable and people should realize that when they're understanding how coaches are able to talk to people, they're not saying the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. You guys are displaying different language over the same, obviously, construct that you guys want, but it's different language. And I think the, that leads, that more lends to the, the assessment process, yeah. right? We do so much on the front end to understand everything we can and then about the athlete, how they move, how they swing, and then give that information to our skill coaches. Uh, I definitely think that that speaks to that. With, again, the ego out the door, all that matters mm -hmm. is this kid getting better. Yeah. So you have to say one thing and you have to say one thing and I say something different and we have another coach. We all have, at the core of that process is I want to try and help this athlete get better. It's not about, oh, look, I helped Johnny hit dingers over the weekends. I'm the smartest yeah. hidden coach in the building. It's like, 
No, it's not about that. Because so. he doesn't take credit when Johnny strikes out three times. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, coming back real quick to the, the constraint-led approach, we use it to individualize as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything in here is individualized that we yeah. want. We want athletes attacking their deficiencies with a deliberate practice approach. You know? yeah. And so the way they get front toss is determined by their attack angle in here. If you're a guy with a high attack angle, you have a large uppercut in your swing, you're only going to get overhand firm front toss. If you're a guy with a low attack angle where your swing's really fat and flat, you're going to get underhand loopy front toss because we're trying to train their swings with the task and the environment mm-hmm. to get to a desirable outcome. Yeah. We have targets and then we like we know at certain launch angles, 18 to 25 degrees, that that's where hits are going to happen. We want them going for that more. We want them to visually see that and have the environment train them. Yeah. And the last part of the constraints approach is there, there has to be failure. A lot of times the average coach wants to give players the answer. I always use that, that analogy. If you're taking a test and your coach is over the shoulder, like, ah, what do you think about C right there? Oh, you're dropping your hands. You're dropping your hands. So you keep them up. Oh, what about D? Like you don't want to be that teacher where you're feeding them the answers because players, that's what they want. Um, they want to just be told, tell me what I need to do. It's like, no, you need to figure it out. And that figure out component is uncomfortable and it's not fun. It's not fun for coaches. It took a while for you to get used to that. For sure. And that failure component has to be a part of this process because if they don't fail, they're not really learning. Yeah, and so I'm just going to kind of a question here for you, Chase. Speaking on that, for further coaches in the in the future, kind of because you did say you struggled with that a little bit. So yeah. kind of go into that and how what were some things that you were able to realize for other coaches that may listen to this and kids-wise so they can understand coaches, yeah. what was the thought process kind of getting better with, I guess you can say in a simple term, just coaching? Yeah, it's like, you know, that one-on-one environment, you want them to hit well now, right? Because mm-hmm. you need them to leave feeling good because you want them to come back next week, yeah. right? And, like, that's kind of the whole environment that that, that is right now, like, just yeah. in general, yeah. right? Is you want kids to hit good right now. And the the instant is, gratification. Yeah, and, you know, the, the difference is, is like, these, these kids are athletes. Like, if you let them figure it out, they will. And that's what we've seen is changes over time, not mm-hmm. changes right now. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is, like, you have to let them fail, in order for them to learn. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to go and do a drill that is uncomfortable and fail at it because yeah. what you're going to learn out of that might be might help you. And then in three weeks, all of a sudden that change is, is there. Mm-hmm. And then we're getting what we want. You know, and the, the biggest, the hardest part is that, just that one aspect of like yeah. letting them fail or know when you need to go save somebody. Yeah. Right? And that's about knowing the kid. That's the relationship component that we're so big on. Right? It's like, if you know a kid well enough and you know what he needs to hear because you know him, like sometimes you have to go, you know, like when a manager calls time and goes and just lets a pitcher rest for a second. Sometimes you got to go do that. Just, yeah. hey, relax, like whatever. It's all dependent on the kid. And that's where the, the individual aspect even comes into just being, it's like the art form of coaching. Absolutely. Like know what to say, when to say it so mm-hmm. they can hear you yep. instead of just hit well right now. Right. Yeah, and that's absolutely. the difference. Um, so I'm going to go into a little bit about your training program. So, you guys do a great job, like we said earlier, with all the coaching and all that stuff. But what are some ways outside of that that the brain for the kid who is being trained, how does that work at KPI? How does that work for the hitting program? Like, how are they able to get that training without them even knowing it? That's all the perception action aspect mm-hmm. is, is really big on what we do. So, like, a lot of times they're being trained to hit better in games and they have no idea that this is happening. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, something as simple as the angle the pitching machine set at to, to mimic a certain pitcher's, uh, the, the shape that we put in the breaking ball, we can manipulate the breaking ball in the big machine and, and how we do that. Um, 
Yeah. Chase uh, has, has gotten very creative with uh, our tarps that we use uh, <laughs> when it's raining outside, and he'll create uh, shaded areas so that the hitter has to focus on a certain thing. So um, we're doing a lot of stuff like that. We want to do more. Yep. Um, want to, you know, that's probably a, a next steps area for us. But yeah, we're, we're, we're creating environments that um, make the hitter focus on certain things and get trained a certain way. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and so this is kind of processing and, and they don't even understand. It's like training the subconscious almost. Yeah. 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 And that's part of the reason why they, we don't do the 40-40-40 a lot. Yeah. You get challenged a lot, so you have to you have to figure out a way to get barrel to ball basically, mm -hmm. right? And the, as many different environments as we can do that and you get on the field, then you're comfy. Yeah. Because you're getting challenged every day that you're in here, you know? And that's kind of the idea to where then they hop onto a field, they've seen 90 in here, but it's off a machine. And they see 90, now they have more time, right? It's like that kind of, you know, aspect to where they can get better without even knowing it. And that's yeah. the best part, right? Absolutely. So to touch on this last topic, it's a very simple question. What is the future of the KPI hitting program? And like you said before, the ideas. What are some of those ideas that you guys have on your mind? A lot. Um, yeah. I mean, last last week they were working on like we're working on an internal ranking system, like our own our own our own code to evaluate players in here that can kind of take everything that we value, put it in a formula, and spit out one number that everyone can understand. Mm -hmm. So uh, they were trying to show it to me, and then I walked away because they were you know, <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. Um, but uh, you know, so that's one thing coming down the pipeline. You know, it's our goal to put force plates in a batter's box, yeah, and then really build our own system. Like we've been working with our software developer. And be like, hey, like we have this idea. Have you done it before? They're like, no, but we're in. You know, like, yeah. like let's do some crazy stuff here. So, um, and really try to figure out do certain swing types play certain ways on the force plates, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Um, and then you know, just continue to get the the best tech out there, uh, so we can kind of evaluate hitters objectively at a at another level. And so, Chase, just kind of go into what if this does happen what that future brings for the kpi hitting program it just makes it more individual it makes it easier i mean everybody knows that in any sport like movement is complicated there's a million different pieces at play so using force plates and and especially like in off a machine or anything like that like we can get more granular to understand how their body works to be able to get them better and that's like i mean Hitting is so hard. If we could yeah. get give you a little bit more aspect, right? A physical assessment, force plates, all that stuff, and then get you hitting and compare those. Like then we can really see how it happens because it's like you can take a bunch of good practice swings and when you get into the box, things are different. And we yeah. can see how you operate in a game like environment and we can really make a good change there. Yeah. Like, you know. And I think another then another area that we're we're gonna dive into and speak to is, is injury prevention. I think on the pitching side, there's so much focus on injury prevention. It's not really talked about on the hitting side, but I've been saying this for a very long time, like low back injuries, low back stress fractures uh, are going to become an issue yeah. for, for baseball players and softball players across the board because kids are swinging heavier uh, bats, more swings, more often. They're hitting heavier balls now, which we use in the facility too, but if not done correctly, that, that is an area that we are already starting to see players um, deal with those and luckily for us we, we catch them before it's an issue uh, but we have dealt with kids you know as young as 10 11 12 years old uh, who have had to been shut down for from an injury standpoint so that's not something else that we'll have on our, our mindset too absolutely well thank you guys very much thank you chase for coming out eric yeah. dan appreciate it this has been episode 13 of talking points with kpi please be look out for all the socials the podcast will be up on Twitter, also on Instagram. So make sure you're on there every day and looking at KPI, what's got next. We will see you guys next time.